Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of your no, of the Know Your Enemy podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and my co-host for the evening, the one, the only one, Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing great, Michael. Doing great. Love to hear it. Uh, no special guests tonight, that, mostly because there's no football this weekend. It's the league-wide uh, kind of preseason uh, bye week before week one. Uh, so Jeffrey and I are going to get into a little bit uh, more kind of uh, fun Steelers stuff. Of course, this has already been a very busy week, especially for your Pittsburgh Steelers and, of course, around the NFL. So if you've been uh, consuming this uh, information uh, like I know I've been, uh, it's uh, it's been one of those uh, insane weeks across the NFL landscape. But uh, I guess really kick things off. There's a ton of news today, but maybe we should start off the show on a positive note. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers signed Carl Joseph, uh, the former first-round pick of the Oakland Raiders, former Cleveland Brown, back to the Raiders, gets cut. He is signed to the practice squad, but after his six-day quarantine, is expected to make the 53-man roster. Jeffrey, what are your initial thoughts on uh, Carl Joseph, the new safety-slash-linebacker-slash-Swiss uh, uh, Army knife, as uh, Mike Tomlin described uh, Trey Norwood? Well, what are your thoughts on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers' newest player? I've liked Carl. I liked Carl Joseph when he was coming out of college. Uh, he's he's not quite the player. He's had some injuries, but getting him to the practice squad, getting him for like, you know, nothing, claiming him, not claiming him off waivers, even just signing him like a cheap deal. This is kind of a latch dish, you know, thing. And I I like the signing. I like the you know giving a guy with that kind of pedigree, that kind of experience in the NFL because he was a good player when he was healthy. Uh, I like it. I like bringing him on board. Uh, do you think in this in any way affects the status of Terrell Edmonds? Could he push him uh, for his spot? I don't think so. No. If you look up what Carl Joseph is, uh, like even last year, he, he can't – he's not a coverage guy. Like he was not a coverage guy when he came into the league. His injuries have made him significantly less of a coverage guy. So I don't I don't see him being a threat to really – any of the main any of the main safeties or defensive backs because he's just not that he's not that guy. Um, so it is pretty interesting. How, how will the Steelers use him then? In your opinion, what uh, what kind of spots should we expect him to line up at? Uh, will he play any special teams? What should we expect out of uh, Carl Joseph? I don't think Carl Joseph played much special teams in Oakland. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that he could. He's a good tackler. I actually think. Carl Joseph is a good candidate to get the Marcus Allen treatment. The like play some linebacker here. Uh, I think he could get work in dime against certain teams. I, I don't think he's a deep safety kind of guy. I, you know, you can use him in zone zone, but he was always good in more of a linebacker or robber type zones. Those type of zones. He was always better at that. That's where he got his interceptions. That's where he made most of his plays. So for me, I think he is a candidate to fill that Marcus Allen, you know, depth linebacker role uh, and maybe get in on some some interesting sub packages. Now, Jerry Dulac was the the man who broke the news that Carl Joseph not only signed to the team, but is expected to come up to that 53 man roster after his quarantine period. In that same tweet, he mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers are more than likely still going to add another defensive back. Um, they really haven't addressed that nickel corner spot. Arthur Mallette, of course, he signed back to the, the team today uh, after the Steelers play some guys on IR. We'll get to that. 
but it, it seems like there's still a, a fairly substantial hole on that uh, on that nickel corner spot. Do you expect them to still bring someone in? Because right now, the way you look at the roster, it doesn't seem like there's that guy, and it, it looks like there's a number of free agents that could fill that void. I I would I expect them to pursue somebody. Um, but one of, one of my favorite, most interesting things about this preseason is that aside from Cameron Sutton, right, outside of Cameron Sutton, every single player they have put in the slot in like early in a game is listed as a safety or a linebacker because these are the guys. These are the guys that have played in nickel or dime uh, in the slot early on in any of the preseason games. You had Antoine Brooks Jr., they listed him as a safety. Arthur Millette, they listed him as a safety. Miles Killebrew played there. They list him as a linebacker. Marcus Allen has played in the slot. He's listed as a linebacker. And Trey Norwood, who is listed as a safety. So that's three safeties and two linebackers, uh, which I find interesting because the Steelers are always grabbing these kind of hybrid players and using them as safeties. Guys like a Minka Fitzpatrick where people are like, is this guy a linebacker? Is he a, is he a cornerback? Like, what is this guy? Like, these guys that can play – all those positions, but don't really fit one perfectly. The Steelers love collecting them. We've got a whole slew of them, and they're trying them at the nickel spot. So I'm, I'm going to be very interesting to see if they do sign someone, you know, what type of player they sign. And But I'm also interested if they're unable to upgrade the position at all and how they will play the dime role, the, you know, the, the nickel slot, because – it's clear to me from what they were doing preseason, they are really still looking for that kind of safety who can play in in the nickel or dime defense as an inside corner. Yeah, just the way this roster has been constructed, I would also assume that a body is coming in. Uh, I, I believe uh, Jimmy Moreland uh, was one of the names that are floating out there. Uh, he played for the Washington football team last year. Uh, pr- pretty solid player. Uh, he was cut uh, on the injury designation. Uh, but it's still expected to play in week one, be healthy enough to play for week one. So if there's a name to watch, I feel like that's the one I'd throw out there if the Steelers uh, weren't able to swing a trade, which at this point seems a little less likely, although the Steelers still have a ton of cap space. That's uh, something uh, we have to keep in the back of our minds. Uh, kind of stepping away from uh, the more positive news, of course, but staying in the secondary Joe Hayden today, uh, a little bit of uh, news with him that uh, him and the Steelers will not be working out a contract this offseason. Uh, this, I guess, uh, this training camp, uh, of course, we know the Steelers don't negotiate deals during the regular season slash postseason. And uh, Joe Hayden is expected to test free agency next summer. Uh, I- I'm curious, what are your initial thoughts to that? And do you think this is uh, going to be the end of the Joe Hayden era in Pittsburgh after this season? I always... Like the Steelers don't like to extend guys early unless they're like their top most valuable players, like a TJ Watt. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger can get a new contract anytime he wants it. Uh, but most of the time, they make people go pretty close to their deal ending. So, one of two things hit me here either Joe Hayden wants money that they're not willing to give him or cannot give him, looking at what they're trying to do right now. And so they're saying, hey, play it out a year. Or they really are ready to move on from him. Uh, Maybe they think that highly of James Pierre, and they're basically just grooming James Pierre to be Joe Hayden's replacement next season. That's a possibility. I'm still leaning towards them finding a way to sign Joe Hayden. The the salary cap will be bigger. There will be more money. 
I don't I think it's smart for him money wise to wait till next year and play it out and see because there might be some teams with that much cap space saying, hey, we can blow money for two years on a Joe Hayden, you know, and give us a give us a guy who can come in and fill in here for a bit. Uh, I, I would prefer that to be the Steelers. I think the Steelers will have some cap space that they could use and, and they're going to have a lot and they're going to have most of their top guys tied up. So I, I am looking forward to, to them hopefully signing him, but we'll see. Yeah. Looking at it from my perspective, and I've, I've seen some people talking about it before as well. Joe Hayden's last deal was very heavily front loaded. I'm meaning the, the two years after that three year deal uh, would have him on a smaller cap hit. So I also suppose the Steelers do want to uh, give him a new deal. And uh, these kind of two uh, kind of cushy years, they're kind of uh, more prepared for all of a sudden just get one cushy year in the, in the middle and uh, have to pay Joe Hayden all this extra cap space to, uh, I, I guess in the off season, make it more likely for uh, Joe Hayden to come back to the team. But I really wouldn't want to uh, write that out yet. Um, of course, still a full season to play. And we know how much, uh, Joe Hayden enjoys playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers first and foremost, and how much he uh, appreciates playing for Coach Tomlin. So I, I really don't think this is the end. This season will be uh, the last dance, as Joe Hayden tweeted, probably more so to stir the pot than anything uh, today. But uh, I still think uh, there is some hope that uh, the veteran corner comes back and hopefully plays more years in Pittsburgh than he ever did in Cleveland, which is, I know something, uh, Jeffrey, we've talked about a number of times. Yep. Um, speaking of contracts though, TJ Watt with a slightly cryptic social media post, he's uh, someone who's kind of, uh, who stays away from uh, the social media game a little bit, but, uh, just a couple hours ago at the moment of recording, uh, TJ Watt posted an Instagram story of himself without a caption, just him signing a fan's terrible towel. Of course, he has a contract in the works The the no caption speculation is starting to run rampant. Do you think this deal is uh, nearing the end? Or could, could we expect a, an announcement uh, really any given moment now between T.J. Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers, or is there still a chance that this doesn't get done? I think that it's pretty much a done deal, and the reason I say that is the Steelers exposed uh, Roche, uh, the, the, the young linebacker, their sixth-round pick. They exposed him, and he got signed off of waivers. They have four outside linebackers on this roster, including TJ Watt. If they thought that TJ Watt, there was a chance TJ Watt might not play week one, that, you know, something would happen. He'd hold out or something. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have exposed Roche. They would have kept four guys uh, besides TJ Watt. So I like, like they did with defensive line, like they do with other things where they keep an extra player so they can make some moves. Uh, I think the Steelers believe TJ Watt will definitely be playing week one. And if TJ Watt is, you know, signaling that, I I honestly, I honestly think if the Steelers don't give him a contract before the season starts, it will not go well. Like that's not TJ Watt isn't going to play out his last year with no security. I, I don't think he will. That wouldn't be smart on his part. Uh, and I, and he's, he's a smart guy. His whole family understands the business side of this and he's not going to, you know, let the Steelers take full control of the business side of his career. Yeah, I, I totally uh, can get on board with that. I think uh, I think this deal is something, of course, uh, that has kind of been talked about a lot, especially in the media side. Like a, a lot of people, kind of uh, speculating that it would be done after, shortly after the Carolina Panthers game. But 
let's face it, there was a whole lot of work the Pittsburgh Steelers needed to do. Uh, and, and right now, there's a whole lot less work that they have to do. Of course, after that game ended, they had to figure out their cuts. Uh, they had to attempt to trade some players, which ultimately they uh, they didn't end up completing, uh, both in and out. Uh, they had to make a full practice squad. They had to put three guys on, on the injured reserve list. They had to add three more guys to the roster, uh, outside free agents. There's been a ton of stuff going on. So are you surprised at all that uh, this move didn't come immediately after that Panthers game, or does the kind of busyness of this time uh, kind of uh, make the timeline make sense to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what their timeline is. That doesn't I, – I don't know. Uh, however they're going to fit it in, it's probably, it's, it's probably going to be timed up for the most reaction they can get, really. That's what I expect. I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a tomorrow, uh, Thursday thing, uh, September 2nd. It, like, it, it kind of makes sense just because uh, a little bit of the news would die down, not too many other contracts to worry about. But honestly, I feel like if it doesn't come Thursday, I, I doubt it'd be a Friday news dump thing. Uh, they wouldn't post it on the weekend when people aren't paying attention, although there isn't football on. Uh, it, I feel like if it's not or sometime Thursday or early Friday, I feel like it probably waits to, to the week after, much like how Cam Hayward's deal came down to the 11th hour. There will be pandemonium online, but whatever. It's just another day of being a, a member of Pittsburgh Steelers Twitter. But, um, <laughs> of course, uh, th- more news today. Um, the Steelers' 53-man roster was kind of uh, – of course, it wasn't finalized when it first came down the pipeline – uh, the Steelers placed three guys on the IR today, the the, the reserve injured list, which before the season, uh, these players are eligible to come back after just three games. But they're three pretty much impact players. Of course, Stefan Tuitt, who's been battling a knee injury, of course, still mourning the loss, uh, the, the unfortunate loss of his brother. Uh, Anthony McFarland, uh, he's also battling injury. And Zach Banner is still not healthy. Uh what do you think of those losses? Is this going to be tough sledding for the Steelers out of the gate because of uh, missing these three guys? Anthony McFarland, uh, we've lost that, – that's a change of pace guy that I think could have had a real value in our offense here. So not having him right off the bat uh, could hurt a little bit. One of my big concerns with Najee Harris is how do we keep him fresh for the playoffs? I mean, if you look at his I – know, I know he trains – like a madman. I know he's in fantastic physical shape, but that's not getting hit, right? Getting hit is a different thing. And this guy, you look at his college carries. Yeah, he he over time put up a lot of numbers. He was a fantastic runner and he's a fantastic player, but he wasn't racking up big, big numbers of hits taken, right? We're talking about a big jump into a 17-game NFL season. And if this team has aspirations for beyond that, you know, we're, we're hoping for 20 games played. And for the Steelers this year, that's a lot more than he's ever done. You need to monitor the hits he takes. You need to monitor how much he plays. So for me, backup, backup running back is a key position simply for the fact we want Najee Harris to be fresh at the end of the season. We don't want him to be run down and not the same runner anymore we don't want him with all these nagging injuries and still trying to gut it out and oh goodness sakes like doing something where he's pushing himself too hard and ends up with a serious injury I don't want that that's the backup running back situation is is one that makes me nervous because we need one that's good and can take snaps away from from Najee Harris uh Zach Banner is an interesting one 
I don't know if you want to get into offensive line stuff now, but Zach Banner is uh, – he looked really good the one preseason game he played a bit in. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Dave Schofield. You want to, you want to do that? Yeah, for, for those that uh, are listening on the podcast platform, Dave Schofield throws up. It's almost like someone predicted the Steelers would put these players in the IR, on the IR and bring back the ones they did. Which uh, give Davis credit? He's uh, he's typically right around here. So uh, Dave, yeah, it's another home run for BTSC. Surprise, surprise! The Steelers will not enter the season with zero backup guards. They're not going to do that. <laughs> which, which was funny to me because when they cut him, I was just like, the Steelers currently have no backup guards on the roster. They had four tackles, two guards, and two centers. Yeah. So so Zach, Zach Banner is a loss, uh, but. We haven't, I mean, we haven't had him. It's not really, I don't know. Can you label someone a loss if they haven't been there? Right. He's played, he's played four quarters total since, you know, week one started of last season. And and one of those quarters was in the preseason. We'll see. They'll adjust. And it, uh, it may give Dan Moore Jr. a chance to actually play and win a job. Uh Dan Moore Jr. starting off the year. Uh, th- there's definitely a, a conversation I want to have with these tackles. But uh, yes, da- Dan Moore getting this job, I feel like there's a chance he doesn't give give it back. Like, as well as he's performed at left tackle, if he, if he plays good. I, I know the Steelers thing, like, oh, you're a rookie. They, they did it last year, frustratingly, benching Kevin Dotson. But is, is there a legitimate shot? that Dan Moore Jr. takes this left tackle job, has at least three weeks to operate in it, and keeps it for the rest of the year. What do you think? I think there's a good chance of that. I think there is a good chance of that. I I know the Steelers have had some issues with Kevin Dotson. I don't know if it's his attitude. I don't know if it's his work ethic or, like, his work in the film room or something like that, because on the field he's dominant, just line up and maul people. Uh, Whatever they had with him, he had those issues. Dan Moore Jr., I, th- I think he has a legit shot, especially with as much as uh, Chukumo Korofor has struggled in the preseason at left tackle, uh, where he actually was better at right tackle, which is strange. Uh, so Zach Banner coming back, you could see, is he 100%? Can he retake you know his job back? Uh, and then it'd be, you know, can Chukumo Korofor beat out Dan Moore Jr.? Could happen, but man, I'm I'm gonna look forward to that. If everyone I think remembers the Dwayne Haskins big drive that he had, where it was the left side of the line basically just bulldozing everyone and and setting up incredible holes for running backs. Where it was Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, and then at center was J.C. Hassenhauer, and they those three were just killing it out there. So those two with Kendrick Green, man, they they could be something special. Uh, Sean Manahan puts five dollars in the tip jar and says more and Dotson at left tackle, left guard. Uh, th- that's that's what it's going to start the year off as. Like that, that's what you're going to get for at least three weeks. Um, they, they've been uh, people movers, so I wouldn't be surprised by that in the slightest if it extends past this three week period, like Jeffrey and I uh, spoke about. Uh, was there something you want to add on to that, Jeffrey? Yeah, honestly, and in all honesty, if Dan Moore can take that job. If he and Dotson can can be as good as they were, you know, obviously they were facing backups at the time. But if they can translate that to pushing around starters, because they didn't just push guys around. 
they pushed the entire like defense out of the way. And Jalen Samuels was running through holes you could drive a truck through for 10 yards before he got touched. Like they were legit dominating the entire game. It was ugly. It was like Alabama versus nobody. You know, it, it was like that, that bad. If they can get good push and do well against, you know, starters in the NFL, you could you could swing a you could swing a loss into a win with that kind of run blocking and Najee Harris at running back. He didn't have those holes yet in the preseason. He never had those two together on the line there. He for most of it he had you know Rashad and Coward and and uh, Chukwuma Korafor. Najee hasn't run behind those two. He it could be it could be great. I I am excited for it. <laughs> now there's something I also want to address in the live chat here. A lot of people are trying to say Zach Banner sucks. He's overrated. He's this, he's that. Like, honestly, Zach Banner, when he's been healthy, has been a, a great run blocker. I haven't seen enough of him to really judge him in pass pro, but his uh, his swing tackleness, of course, the Steelers run the ball majority of the time. So we did get to see a year of him as a run blocker and about 52 snaps of it as well uh, in, his, uh, in this previous season before he tore his ACL. Do you think it's a fair assessment of people calling Zach Banner overrated, or is that uh, just because he hasn't been healthy? Well, the one game he did play, he played all but one snap next to Stefan Wisniewski, who was absolutely terrible in that game. And he played one snap next to Kevin Dotson. It was a pass play, and that's the play Zach Banner got hurt on. Like, So they played exactly one snap together. Uh, but, but Banner is... As a run blocker, he he's as good as Marcus Gilbert ever was. Like, he just is a really good run blocker. He's especially good on inside zone plays, working off double teams and getting to the second level. Or he is he is great at that. He is going to make a difference if he's healthy and playing. He will be a difference in the run game, and he's solid enough in pass protection. Uh, he's not great, but he's solid. So I, I would be excited, man. A line of Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, Trey Turner, and Zach Banner would be, on paper, they would have the potential to be one of the best running block, run blocking lines in the NFL because that's all of their strengths. Every single one of them, that's their strength. And and with, with Najee Harris and with how Matt Canada runs his offense, if you're running the ball that well, everything else falls into line. So I, I hope Zach Banner gets back. I hope he can be what he looked like in his one preseason quarter of action. I'd love it. Now, I see people are still mad at me, but like th th there's a, a point that I want to point out about Zach Banner. Like There are injury-prone players. That is a legitimate thing. Zach Banner tore his ACL at the beginning of the season. That means you're missing the whole year, period. And coming back from injuries like that, some of it is also mental too. Like I, I know from my own experience, you have to break down a, a barrier that you just got to trust that limb at some point. And, and it's hard for some players to, to get through that. So like, I understand there's some frustration that he hasn't been available the last number of games, uh, playing 12 snaps in the preseason. But at the end of the day, it's one injury. It, 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 he's not a guy that has a pulled hamstring and misses three weeks. Uh, he breaks a finger and, and he misses a game tweaks his back, gets sick. Like that that's not the same situation here. There's a difference between a freak accident which playing on that terrible turf at the Meadowlands is. How many players tore their ACL there because the turf is so grippy and sticky and horrible? It, like it, 
you have to consider he, it was just a terrible playing surface that took the, the ACLs of what Nick Bosa, uh, Saquon Barkley, Zach Banner. Like the list really went on and on and on last year. It, it was ridiculous how many uh, players uh, knees got claimed by that terrible turf. So it, there are freak accidents in football. So I, I would uh, I would hesitate to uh, to really lay in the Zach because it, it is one injury and one that takes a fairly decent amount of time to come back from like an ACL and, and you got to be a hundred percent on it. Uh, I already see some people throwing Sanquez Golson, but he had a different injury every single year. Di- every yeah. single year is different. A Liz Frank, uh, I think was one an MCL. Like seriously, every single year was a different injury. That's not what Zach Banner has going on here. He's working back from the same thing. And that's just the t- how the timeline works on some of these things. So I'm not, I'm not ready to push the panic button on Zach Banner. His two-year deal is still extremely cheap. I'm sure he will make it back at some point this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if whenever he is ready to go, played out the entire season. That's just that's just the way it is. Uh, he hasn't really shown that kind of uh, that pl- that kind of player that is injury pl- prone when it comes to muscle pulls and whatnot. That's an injury prone player. Someone that always has something different going on all the time. So. I digress. I, I could talk about injuries uh, on and on until I'm blue in the face because obviously I battled well, I some get, in my career as well. But go ahead, Jeffrey. If I can add one more thing on there, if the people are complaining about Zach Banner, right? Who who's your right tackle on this team? Like, if you don't want Zach Banner, who do you want at right tackle? Joe Heggs, not that good. Dan Moore Jr. was terrible at right tackle. I mean, you're talking Banner or a Cora for. I'll take Banner. Every single time, like even if he's not up to where he was there, there you know, in the little bits we've seen him play, I'll take him at right tackle with this team. You want to run the ball, and a core four doesn't give you that on the right side. So for me, for me, Banner, it's an easy choice. Do you have any disappointment then that the Steelers haven't acquired a tackle at all throughout this entire offseason, other than drafting Dan Moore? No, once they saw Dan Moore and once Dan Moore started performing, I was like, no, don't bring in anybody. You've got uh, Joe Hegg is your, you know, if when Banner comes back, if he comes back healthy, Joe Hegg's your number four tackle. That's that's phenomenal. That's really good depth. Um, before then, you know, you're you're not as deep as you'd want to be, but that's because you already have an injury. You know, it's like once Devin Bush, well, Devin Bush is a more a much better player, but like okay, like once uh. Once Bud Dupree went down and Alex Highsmith was starting, you didn't have great depth at outside linebacker. Well, of course you didn't. You lost one of your best, you know, you lost one of your starters. So we don't have the best depth right now, but Banner's coming back. We can get the three we have can last until Banner gets back. Uh, we have a, another super chat here. We'll throw up before we get into our break. Uh, this from Connor Eddy. I hope I said that right. He puts $4.99 in the chip jar. He, he asked, if Juju does not re-sign next season, do the Steelers look to draft uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State? Uh, Jeffrey, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, Olave is kind of viewed as uh, like the top receiver prospect or or top two at this current moment in this uh, in this draft class. Steelers don't drop top guys. They do not draft top guys. If he had an if he had a season where he was good but not great and fell really far for just stupid reasons, then yeah, it could happen. Uh, but that's. Steelers aren't drafting a top guy. They're not drafting a top guy. And frankly, if Juju Smith-Schuster leaves the Steelers, I would expect the Steelers to try and retain James Washington. That's what I would expect and just put him into that role. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that as well. Um, I, I don't think they'd be in a position where they'd be drafting high enough to uh, select Olave. Uh, but that is also a, a number of months away before we can get to that point. And one thing I, I want to remind everyone, especially when it comes to drafting and receivers, who does it better than the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, they find yeah. these guys in the middle rounds, and it, it doesn't matter. They, do, they don't have to... Uh, to pluck these guys out of the first round and then whiff on them like uh, you see the New England Patriots do time after time. They find them in the second, third, fourth round, and then they make them in all pros. It's just this team has an eye for talent when it comes to position. Uh, whatever their scouting department sees uh, trait-wise out of an elite receiver, clearly it works because it's worked time after time after time. Uh, outside of that, though, um, before we get to our break, how about one more wide receiver-related uh, question for you, Jeffrey? Are you surprised how it, it all kind of uh, wrapped up in, in that top five? Of course, Ray Ray, uh, it's the exact same receiving uh, chart as it was last year. I believe it's Cody White and Rico uh, Bussey that uh, make up the practice squad. Uh, are you kind of uh, are, are you happy with those names or did, did you wish it kind of fell a different way? No, it works for me. Ray Ray McLeod, uh, he adds he adds a speed and shiftiness element that you, you only have with Deontay Johnson uh outside of outside of him so he adds some value as the fifth wide receiver we saw him get used quite a bit last year in that kind of role just to create mismatches and create competition if you know trouble for the other team and covering our number five and he's a solid good to good punt and kickoff returner i the steelers didn't really like they didn't prioritize upgrading that spot and i can see why McDonald was, you know, Ray Ray McDonald, McDonald, McLeod was reliable. And, you know, you've got four guys ahead of him that are pretty good. Vance McLeod, Ray Ray McDonald, same thing. So same players. <laughs> uh, Vance McLeod is a clan McLeod. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. We always do. But uh, we are we are approaching the halfway point of our show. I do want to throw up the, out there that uh, Behind the Steel Curtain is giving away a signed Joe Hayden foot from this year's Survivor League. You can get all the information to that uh, contest and how you can participate against some of your favorite BTSC hosts uh, by clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. There's an article that ran there today about uh, giving away the Joe Hayden uh, uh, autograph football. Uh, you, you can find all the details there about the Survivor League. And just uh, if, you, if you like competition and uh, playing for fun, by all means, uh, sign up and uh, play along with all of us. Um, so if you're listening on YouTube or Facebook, just hang tight for a moment. We'll flip over to part two. But if you are watching on uh, or listening on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast from that isn't YouTube or Facebook, uh, you will have to click over to part two in just a moment. Uh, for more Know Your Enemy action with uh, Jeffrey Benedict and myself, Michael Beck. <laughs> 